You're good. I'm good? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to clap one more time. Okay. Okay. Hi, Elena. Hi, Laura. We're thrilled. We're thrilled to be here. We're the Thrilled Podcast. We are. And we're going to take you through 90s and early 2000s thrillers, as always. The pop culture from the year, our thriller of the week premiered, and movie trivia about the film that we watched. That is correct. I cannot wait. And this week, Elena's covering Unfaithful, the 2002 erotic thriller about a couple living in the suburbs outside of New York City whose marriage goes dangerously awry. Yes, it is debatably a thriller absolutely erotic okay true true no it's thrilling but it's like (laughs) this is a different it's not a typical thriller thriller. it's definitely i love it um it's definitely an erotic movie Mm -hmm. so uh have you seen this before had you seen this before you watched it really no first time and you were gonna watch this on a plane (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad i didn't actually do that i tried to warn you i tried to warn against it like i'm literally waiting until my fiance leaves the house so i can watch this again (laughs) please don't watch this in front of strangers on a tin can in the sky where you can't get away but the first time i saw it was definitely under some sneaky circumstances oh yes tell Um, me more my friend that i've known since kindergarten and we were college roommates she really Mm. supported and like pushed forward my love of thrillers because she was obsessed love a friend like that and her parents watched them like my parents would watch them but not so not not quite as often as hers did and hers would watch them like as soon as the the movie came to dvd um and so we would like sneak by watching them they'd be watching it in the family room we'd go down to her finished basement and try to buy it on the tv and i'd be like we're gonna get in trouble because your parents are gonna see that we bought this like on the movie channel people had such which good is, was a thing basements. oh my like, god i know I her finished like basement was, was a thing i've never slept better than in that finished basement <laughs> it's cold it's always it's like comfy. a carpet right? there's like was an there old couch yeah it's okay. carpeted it's just it's so dark yeah and it's like you're cocooned in yes. this in this yeah. basement so yeah we watched it when we were i want to say we were 13 or 14 and we were just like we this is something we should not be watching when i was watching that i was like how did laura watch this as a 13 i don't know i would have been like beside myself just sort of i like, don't know but i remembered oh it God, almost never exactly so i it really did the real man <laughs> it stuck with me as a 13 or 14 year old so i can understand why. i am so excited to hear your take on this you I can't retell wait to talk it about it same but first i'm gonna tell you some pop culture happenings from the year 2002 so this is our first movie that didn't happen in the 90s or yeah. the late couple 80s. years delayed um Tell but we are going to do early 2000 thrillers because they're kind of in that realm of yes this genre was it has still sort super of a popular and mm-hmm. the, the 90s thriller phase for sure and we have three or four more thrillers that we're going to cover from th- 2002 so i do mm. have some facts but definitely not all because there's so many so first of all it's 20 years ago which feels insane to say out loud like that's i know crazy. that's very simple math but i was like what How? 2002 i was in like eighth or I was 11 eighth grade. I don't know how old or, or what grade. grade that puts me in, but yeah, yeah, you were in like fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So young. So weird. Yeah. Ugh. um, so some things that happened in 2002, there were some great, great 
Okay, happening. I can't wait. Uh, a Walk to Remember premiered. Oh my God, Mandy Moore. Where Mandy Moore plays a terminally ill teenager. Yes. And Shane West, oh, Shane the hot, West. popular bad boy who falls in love with her and then becomes a good person before she dies. <laughs> so if you haven't seen that yet, oh, sorry. Oh, this is classic. It's like the like innocent, sweet girl like turns the bad boy into a good boy. Oh my God, that movie good boy. ruined me. I was crying. I was sobbing. I was singing that song that she sings. And she's. Yeah. I thought she was so beautiful and... Were you a fan of her music first or no? Kinda. I liked Mandy Moore. I like knew her first as like Candy. Candy. Like Mm -hmm. that was the Mandy Moore that I knew. And then all of a sudden she was like this big actress and she got brown hair instead of the blonde hair. She had that mousy brown and bangs. Yeah, Yeah, but she still looked beautiful. They were like, let's try to make her look like a little less stunning. Mm -hmm. But she like Like barely any makeup. Yeah. She's like stringy bangs. Exactly. But she's still a cancer patient. (laughs) Yep, a cancer patient. Yeah. Not not I didn't know that was a Nicholas Sparks novel though. Um because I did read I read Nicholas Sparks books, like I had read the notebook and whatever. Um, when I was in middle school, high school, but I didn't know that that one was a Nicholas Sparks novel prior to becoming the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a classic. So yeah, I remember watching that and then Crossroads. Oh my God. Britney Spears, Zoe, Zoe Saldana and Taryn Manning. Oh my God. I and forgot about Taryn Manning. Shonda Taren Rhimes Manning. wrote the screenplay. Wow. I did not know that. Me what neither. a fun fact. I know. I remember seeing Crossroads in the theaters with my friends in like oh, wow. seventh or eighth grade. And we decided, like, oh, we're all going to do that little, like, time capsule thing. I think they, like, hide, like, a box underneath, like, I don't know. They, like, bury a box or something. They and do. I, and I don't – I feel like we buried a box. Never Never dug it up. <laughs> Never dug it up. There was probably nothing there. cool in it. Probably butterfly clips. Yeah. Like, you know. That's, that's cool. That is actually cool. Just an actual time capsule. But, God, I love that movie. Such a cool movie. I know it's, again, not necessarily good, but it is. It's one of those movies that I watch and I'm like, this doesn't – technically hold up but it's still enjoyable because i have such good memories associated with you remember it. when she sings i love rock and yes. roll yes yes oh i love she's that. so cool she was so cool she is she is she's the coolest mm-hmm. but this is also the year that her and justin timberlake broke up which was crazy big news obviously spawned both of them having new music and albums and just such a cultural like touchstone crazy huge moment and in the denim like all the in, denim yeah. so much denim their breakup was nuts. I remember being sad about their breakup. So yeah. to, uh, early 2000s is really fun because we like had conscious memories. Yes. We <laughs> so actually we can remember actually recall these period. things happening mm-hmm. at this time. Um, like this, A Thousand Miles by oh Vanessa Carlton God. coming out. It was so good and still so good. Every time that comes on in like a CVS or something, yes. I'm like, I can't I hit that octave. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not allowed to. I don't think I'm allowed to sing. Copyright. Copyright. Issues. Copyright. Yep, we're going to get in trouble. Um, Hot in Here by Nelly also came out oh. as well as Dilemma by I'm Nelly. I'm really featuring... trying not to sing these songs right I know now. you can't. Okay. <laughs> um, Dilemma by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland, which that's the music video where she famously is texting on her sidekick through her what appears to be um, an Excel spreadsheet. I don't remember this. You don't? Mm-mm. So semi-recently she was asked about it on a talk show and she admitted that she doesn't know what Excel is, which is goals. Like, I wish I didn't know what Excel Oh, God, I wish I didn't know what Excel <laughs> but is. But yeah, I'll have to show it to you after. It's like a meme now that she... Okay. She's looking at her sidekick. They, like, zoom in on it. And it is not a text. It's an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet, spreadsheet. Where she's just putting, like, what are you up to or something. What? <laughs> it's okay. It's just bad editing. Okay. Add it to the list. Yep. Holly Berry won Best Actress for her role in Monsters Ball. Yep. It's that's an absolutely ridiculous film. Have you seen that? I have not seen Monsters Ball. It's not good. But she did win. I mean, she's amazing. And I don't know if you remember her dress that year when she Is won. it the yellow one or no? No, it's like this it's like sleeveless mesh, um, kind of 
it's like tan colored with flower appliques on it just like conveniently or per- not conveniently perfectly I'm looking it up okay yeah it's so beautiful look up holly berry best actress um that's a famous speech too where she's like oh yes this one this is like the nude one right mm-hmm. yep i remember that she is big moment gorgeous she, yeah she's just she's stunning and that was a big win um but bad movie and okay. american idol premiered so Kelly Clarkson won that first American Idol season uh, over Justin Guarini, which this is when I have to admit that I got into a Twitter fight. What? Some years back with Justin t- Guarini's wife. Oh, okay. I've heard this story, but I don't really remember it. So tell There's me not again. much to tell. Okay. I tweeted something stupid. Mm. Like, why did I just spend so much time looking up where Justin Guarini is now? And he has like an, a wife and kids. Like, that's all I tweeted. Okay. It was just a weird, like, why yeah. did I do that? Yeah. And then why did I tweet about it? And then his wife responded to the tweet and she was like, leave us alone. Don't be digging things up. Like, stop it. That's so weird. You're a stalker. What? And I was like, what? You're on the internet. Like, yeah. you have a You're public s- Instagram. I was yeah. just looking at your... You're a public figure. I was looking at your children, I will admit. But <laughs> very sorry, could, miss. <laughs> but just to see what he was up to. And so I think I responded like to that effect. And then we were just going back and forth. And then... She deleted her tweets, so then I deleted my tweets because I went back to go find them to show someone, and I could only find one where I had like responded to it, so I just forgot to delete that one. Oh my gosh! So that was it. I just got into the a Twitter, Twitter fight with her. How did she find me? She must have been. I didn't like tag. She him. has to be really like not doing she had to be, a whole lot. Have like alerts up for his name. Yeah, and, and then, then she's seen like, I'm this going, like she must have been fifteen year old like, jaded from another troll of some kind, and then she was just like, I'm gonna go after the next person that fucking I don't know. sets me off. Okay, admittedly, I was probably like 18, 20 maybe, but whatever. Okay. Um, well, we're sorry. Yeah. Justin's in less exciting wife. news in, in more like news, you know, national real news. Like, yeah. Real things, not fun pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the Homeland Security Act was signed into law by President George W. Bush on November 25th, 2002. So this established the Department of Homeland Security as a new department. I didn't realize that, that they had only been around since 2002. That is interesting. I didn't realize that either. This was obviously in direct it makes response. Sense. It does, but I just hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't make the I never looked into the history. Uh, obviously in direct response to the September 11th attacks in 2001 and it aimed to defend the United States against terrorist attacks and the response to large-scale emergencies had rapidly emerged as a top priority for the government. So this was their answer to that and it's, you know, I'm sure caused a million issues since then and not actually done what it's supposed to do. So, And then the show Homeland came out. Yes, yeah, which I do like but never finished. Yeah, Um, I've only watched one or two episodes. And then Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped from her Salt Lake City, Utah home. Crime news. Yeah, I remember this from when it happened. Like, okay, I remember my remember parents this. talking about this. And uh, she was found and rescued in 2003, thank God. But this was huge news. There was a nationwide manhunt to find her. It was crazy. She was probably white. <laughs> she was white. Yeah. She was white and blonde. And white pretty. and blonde and yeah. cute. Okay. And so that's why there was so much attention. For sure. Yeah. So she was kidnapped and then she was brought home. Yeah, she was, like, hiding in plain sight, essentially, because she was kidnapped by, like, a religious extremist, of course. Oh, my God. Um, and his wife. And she had to change her name. They made her change her name and, like, wear weird clothes. And she was actually, like, in very close to her hometown or if not in her hometown of Utah. But she wasn't responding to her name. Like, someone called her Elizabeth and she she was she had like Stockholm syndrome a bit because she had been brainwashed into this thinking sounds so familiar. I feel like I watched an episode on I'm this. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I, just, I, I don't remember it when it happened though. He told her that if she tried to escape or she said who she really was or anything like that, you know, he'd go back and hurt her family. 
I think he said he was going to try to kidnap her cousin, and he did. He tried to go back and kidnap her cousin, but he was unsuccessful. So I've had enough of religious extremists. Same for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. So that's what was going on. Again, so much more, but we'll cover that in our additional 2002 thrillers. That wow, what a year! We'll talk about in the future. Yeah, Um, and then we'll do a quick castless roll call thank god it is actually quick for this one yes thank you so much <laughs> this is actually one of my characters. favorite types of movies as we know limited characters very few so richard Gere as edward or ed sumner mm-hmm. diane lane as constance or connie sumner eric per sullivan as charlie sumner and oliver martinez as paul martell okay all right and now take us through Unfaithful. okay let's do this i am i am excited okay so Opening title sequence, we've got some very classic, tragic music playing. The like 90s and early 2000s movies loves that, love that like classical, just like depressing music. Uh, there's this like super nice big white house by a lake. We are in Westchester, New York, which is a suburb and it is north of New York City in the Hudson Valley. At first, it is a quiet, quiet, gray, quiet, gray. It is a quiet, gray day. But then it gets super windy. Crazy windy. Leaves start rustling. uh, A child's bike falls over. A door slams. A dog looks moody. And I hope he's not going to (laughs) die. Let's just say, spoiler alert, there's no no dogs that die in this Thank God. We needed a break. Yeah, we really did. Actually, there were no dogs that died in Sleeping with the Enemy either. We are on a track record. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So we meet... Constance slash Connie, uh, who is played by Diane Lane. And she says, it's really windy outside. Uh, (laughs) She's looking out the window of her lovely home. She looks like a hot suburban mom. She's sporting a long bob or a lob and this like super loose long men's shirt that covers her thighs, but like has the slit up the side. Uh, She looks beautiful, but also tired and like she's a mom. Uh, there's this little blonde, awkward kid named Charlie. I don't love him. We hate Charlie. I, yeah, I, I don't know why he just, he really bothers me. I don't like him. I like precocious children sometimes, but he's like dumb. Yeah. He's dumb and precocious and helpless. And he's a little forced. He, I do not like him. Yeah. Sorry. No offense to the actor. He's yeah. in Malcolm I'm in the Middle. Sh- oh, is he? He's the youngest in Malcolm oh, in the Middle. Okay. That's what he's known for. Got it. Well, and he he's is- good in that, but he's freaking annoying in yeah and this. this he's annoying he's in that age range that's very mysterious where he could be like seven or eleven no but we later find out he's about to turn nine okay. so that's right anyway he's annoying he's doing the fart sound with his armpit See? which i'm like come on get a life charlie but that up. was so of the time i know like which is so annoying um he's playing a game boy under the kitchen table and connie said it better not be the game with explosions and he's like <laughs> <laughs> um and then ed AKA Richard Gere enters the scene. He looks really weird without white hair. He does. Like yeah. he looks older somehow without white hair. Mm-hmm. Like there's something He's weird meant about to his be like a silver fox. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just weird to see him young. He's holding the New York times. He's buttoning his pants. Connie is commenting that his pants and jacket are mismatched Navy and black. That's a big no, no. And she's clearly very stylish. He jokes that he did that on purpose. And they have this cute little like rapport between them, husband and wife. So Connie is brushing her kids' teeth now because he lied about brushing them, and mothers always See? know. He's, so he's just, he is a brat. She's getting him ready for school. This is clearly their everyday routine, and they've performed it many times. Yeah. So Ed is talking about stock prices, and he's watching the financial report on TV, and Connie could care less as she's trying to help her son learn how to use the toilet like an adult. I hated this, too. Oh, I hated this so much. It was kind of funny because he was, like, in the middle of peeing. Okay, and she was like, put the seat down. <laughs> 
First, she's like, okay, lift the seat, honey, which he does on command. And then she tells him, don't forget to put it down, which he also does immediately before he's done <laughs> peeing. Like, I cringed so hard. It was like, no. And I then know. she like mutters under her breath, when you finish. <laughs> it's very like charming on her side, not charming on his yeah. side. This to me really did capture the banal, like just mundane yeah. conversation happenings of of, of a normal of a normal family. little family yeah they did a really good job Normal-esque. of doing that in a in a quick yes it was this was like 60 seconds yeah we're, we're seconds. dragging this out to like seven yeah minutes. we're <laughs> making this longer again this is the reason why you listen to us we just make things longer <laughs> um so <laughs> the father and son are on their way out the door now and connie puts a little beanie with like fiery flames on charlie's head which he is not thrilled about he's like very much not into his mom at this phase where he's saying this he constantly says you're driving me bonkers mom yeah that's his catchphrase that is his catchphrase Ed and Charlie leave, uh, and we learn that Connie does not work, uh, but she does a lot of auctions and fundraisers, or does not work, at least in the classic sense. She does auctions and fundraisers, and she's like a classic New York rich stay-at-home mom. So she goes on some some errands. She takes the train into New York City. She stops in Soho. Fit check. Yes. She has got a beautiful, like, gray sweater over a dress under like this sophisticated light trench coat that looks it's a perfect divine with high heels that are like beautiful such a perfect outfit her hair's up in a twist yes oh she she rocks the twist this light breezy trench like jacket Mm -hmm. and everything is in the same tones it's a very like very neutral neutral tone kind of matching the weather like yes windy very sophisticated very french she looks french she does which we, we learned that this was based on a French movie. In fact, I just put it on while Laura yeah. would, and I were getting ready to we were record. getting in the mood watching the French version. Yes. So she, yeah, she looks amazing. She this does. Is her, her outfits throughout all of this. The entire. But this outfit in particular is the outfit. She yeah. And she does so rewear the, the, the trench. trench coat several mm-hmm. times. And just for everyone's knowledge, if you would like to have a wardrobe recap, there is a website called featherfactor.com and they have a wardrobe recap of diane lane and unfaithful and it is perfect oh amazing yes it goes outfit by outfit so when i had to like think back on what was she wearing there again i went back and looked at this website that's incredible so we're gonna put that in the sources yeah it is insanely windy it's comically windy it's like what that is there this much wind ever and there's so many papers yeah i was trying to imagine i was trying to remember like okay when i lived in new york for a while the only time it got that windy was hurricane sandy and that's not what's like going on here (laughs) so i think this is like (laughs) it was crazy and i did not have like a romantic meet cute outside (laughs) on the streets of new york so i can't describe to you how many i mean you to our listeners there were just it was mostly papers barely sky just papers mm-hmm. blowing around violently and inflatable animals <laughs> there were inflatable animals like inside like a, a balloon store place? balloon yeah she was going to get getting, like bonked by all the balloons yes and then like window shutters are opening and closing and people are are really really struggling it is a it's if that was actually happening, there would be some sort of warning of like, absolutely stay inside. It is literally dangerous. To yes, it would have right it would now. have had to have been like hurricane level. Yeah, which she would not be like, to you know what? Today's a good day for me to go into the city and run some errands in a dress yeah. and high heels. Yeah, <laughs> just teeter around. Getting the Marilyn Monroe look as her dress blows up, which it does. <laughs> and go get some balloon animals. That's This is the perfect day. So yes. it's, it is really windy in LA right now. Elena and I were making fun of the wind and then we were like, you know, actually. This is very timely. This is crazy. There's like a million leaves on your, like outside of your house. Yes, they're just 
just so everywhere. Those it's it's not quite as insane it's as not, this no. because this is not. You didn't anyway, like, you guys run into me you can picture on, with your books. The wind is truly nuts. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We've I guess driven this home. Yes. So uh anyway, she's falling on like garbage bags. <laughs> Her dress is flying up as she's trying to cross the street. I'm worried she's going to get hit by a car. And then who is this cute guy with a huge pile of books balanced in his arms, which is also almost comical. He is very attractive, medium length, dark, dark, straight hair. He looks kind of like a cross between a Calvin Klein model and a tortured artist. Kind of like totally perfect combo. Anyway, Connie runs right smack into him and knocks all of his books over, literally falls on top of him. Like Mm -hmm. she's like, they're already starting to, you know, have a physical relationship. What a meet cute. I said, um, he's running around trying to get his books. He's all hot and bothered. Yeah. He's annoyed. He's, he's at first, like he was like not having it. No, like because she did run directly into him in a windstorm and knock over like all his perfect little, which again (laughs) to him, I say, in this windy day, you're like, why would you be balancing 12, at least 12 books? Get a box, get a bag. Yeah. You don't need to be like holding up this. Hold them all in your arms. It's like he was a juggler. <laughs> anyway, she's very apologetic. She tries signaling for a taxi, but classic New York drivers will not stop for her. So she asks for this model boy's help, but he has no luck flagging down a cab either. He finally speaks. He makes a little joke that if you flapped your arms, you'd be home right now. Um, he has an extremely French accent. Uh, and she jokes that she'll get right on that. So they have this like cute little banter. She sits down and defeat on a random doorstep on an apartment building. I used to actually lunch on little stoops like that and on my lunch breaks when I lived in New York City. Cute. So I was like feeling some nostalgia there. And uh, she realizes he lives in the building and she's got like some really crazy intense wounds on her leg from on falling. On her skinny, sexy little legs. Yeah, and her of course, high they're heels. Like, adorable. She's like a little calf with her legs all tangled up. Yes. And oh, she is. You're right. Like old damsel in distress. Uh, he invites her in to clean, clean up and he tells her, I'm not an axe murderer. I promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're like, okay. So anyway, he has got a cool old fashioned elevator. Uh, which is always such a character in these movies yeah, the elevator period. Um, and of course it has its fair share of issues, which we're like, okay, is this going to come back later? And it does. And he has a huge New York loft with tons and tons of books, pottery, beautiful windows overlooking the street. He also has like this fashionable scarf on that he unwraps slowly when he takes his coat off. He tells her he's a bookseller. And at first I was like, how can you afford this amazing loft? But we find out how he does. He points Connie to the bathroom and he jokes that she can like sneak a peek at his prescriptions, which I was like, that's a weird thing to say, but okay. So she goes to the bathroom to tend to her wounds. And when she opens the medicine cabinet, she accidentally drops one of his pill bottles in the toilet and she has to fish it out gross Mm -hmm. and rinse it off in the bathtub. And the only reason I'm even bringing this up is because she has to put the seat down because he had them both up. And I feel like, we're trying to, we're supposed to see him as kind of like a man child. Like yep. he's more like her son. Exactly. She's tying it back to like, oh, he probably peed on the lid. Yes. Gross. Totally. Like she didn't want to put her foot there when she was resting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She comes into the bathroom and he has made her some tea. There's very awkward sexual tension. Um, it is very just. It's right away. Yeah. It's just like they have a thing already. There's chemistry with, they barely said words to each other. And she's and... like constantly blushing. Mm-hmm. And he has a punching bag in the middle of the room and he tells her he used to box and she's like, Ooh, okay. Uh, and he also tells her that the apartment's not his, which thank God, cause how would he afford this? That would make no sense. He said the owner's a sculptor living in Paris, but he can stay here with him and his books. And I said, Oh no, he's danger. Uh, so she calls 
she asks if she can use his phone and she calls home to check on Charlie. She's on the phone with Charlie when French guy comes out of nowhere and surprises her by holding ice on her wounds without asking. And she like flinches uh, at the touch of him. And when she's off the phone, she tells him that her son Charlie is turning nine. And then he finally introduces himself and he's like, I'm Paul Martel. And he tells her that he's 28. So He's presumably a baby compared to her, but we don't really know her age and she does not reveal her age, but she says that her name is Constance. I noted that she doesn't call herself Connie to him. So like Connie is like mm. her wife persona and Constance is like that her sexy too, woman. That's those names, like the nickname versus her full name. Exactly. Fits. Yeah. But couldn't they have picked a sexier name for Paul? Yeah, you're right. Paul Martel sounds like he's going to sell me life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> not like he's a French sexy Book the Martells are like this kind of like sexy family in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. So Martell as a last name, I'm okay with. But you're right. Paul's kind of like, meh. Also, he's supposed to be like French. So like, couldn't we get like Olivier? I guess that's his real name. Oh, yeah. Actually, is that how it's pronounced? Why doesn't Not he use Oliver Martinez, Olivier Martinez? Oh, yeah. I'd I don't be know. Olivier if yeah. it's got the I-E-R. Yeah. But anyway. So she tells him, she gets like very flustered and she's like, I've got to go. I'm late. I'm late. And he tells her to take a book before she leaves. And she's like, oh, I couldn't possibly. But he insists and he like guides her to this certain shelf and tells her, you know, turn left, look up, blah, blah, blah. He really wants her to get to this certain book. And then once she finds the book, he tells her to turn to page 23 and she reads this poem out loud, which goes something like drink wine. This is life eternal. And then it ends with like, be happy for this moment. This moment is your life. And he joins in on that last line and they like lock eyes and she's like, Oh no. And then she leaves. So sexy. Oh, by the way, when she leaves, she accidentally walks into his bedroom on her way out. He's like, that's my bedroom. And she's like, okay, bye. He's like, come back. It's kind of sweet. It's like, shit. She is on the precipice of something. Yes. And you're like, damn it. She doesn't want to do this, but like she's in it. Yep. So anyway, he's like, come back if you need more books or medical attention. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so she leaves. She comes home to her, you know, mundane life. And her son's watching wrestling. We learn that they have a housekeeper, Gloria. So obviously Ed has a fancy, vaguely important job, if we didn't know this already. Charlie is very impressed by Connie's wounds. He asks if she was in a fight. He goes and gets this like crazy Polaroid camera that is apparently for school and tells her to look like she's in pain so he can take a picture of her. So she like fakes that she's anguished from this wound and he takes a picture. And then when his dad comes home, he, uh, Charlie tells Ed that his mom fell down and shows him the picture. And Connie says, it took me down like an old lady, the wind. It was so humiliating. So she is like feeling her age, right? Mm -hmm. Like she was just like, ugh. This was just so embarrassing. But then she reveals to Ed that this very nice guy helped her out. I wasn't sure if she was going to tell him, but she did. Uh, And she said that he tended to her wounds and got her a taxi. So Ed asks her, was he good looking? To which Connie does not reply. She like smirks at him and she's laying on a bed. She kind of looks like a little exasperated. Um, And then Ed says, well, we can send him a bottle of wine, but a cheap one. (laughs) I was like, okay. Uh, Later that night, Ed is in bed with a camcorder. Oh my gosh. Like we used to, I remember when we first opened up our camcorder, it was very similar. So he's looking at the instructions, trying to set it up right. Connie's walking around the room in a silky slip dress, which we know is a classic. Sexy black nightgown. Yep. And he starts filming her. He's like, oh, you're so beautiful. If you only knew. I'm like, how did she not know? She's she's very beautiful. He's taking like cute little shots of her off and on in the bed. And she like lets the strap of her dress fall down. And they start making out. And it's very tender and cute. And you can tell that they're really like yeah. comfortable together. They have a, a, at least like a semblance of a sex life. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with their no, relationship they're com- from they're what very we can comfortable. tell. They're very comfortable with each other. They care for each other. Mm-hmm. 
they really seem to actually like adore each other. Yeah, I would agree. But it's like in a very wrong. safe. Yes. Not it's almost exciting. like they could be high school sweethearts. Yes. And they just seem to like really enjoy each other. Except he does seem older and she seems but you're younger. right. So, but yeah. I mean, that's always this, the case with these. Yeah. Movies. He does seem like he's probably like but I think that what you're older. getting at, yes, exactly. Is they that just have like a long time rapport and love and adoration for each other. It's a long relationship. They're very comfortable. Yeah. They care for each other. They love each other. They're yeah, yeah. But then they get interrupted by Charlie crying. Of they course, to, and they have to stop. Charlie, big baby. God, Charlie. So the next morning, Connie is walking Charlie out the door to school, and he's complaining about not wanting to be a bunny in a play. And he has candy in his mouth, and she makes him spit it out. But then after he leaves, she eats it. Being a mom <laughs> is weird. <laughs> Then she sees the book, the poetry book, her mysterious French knight in shining armor gave her, and she takes it off the shelf. She starts thumbing through the pages. His business card drops out of the book onto the floor. She bends down to look at it, looks up. The dog is judging her from the couch. It's and a dog. He, yeah, he's cute, and I'm like really glad he didn't yeah, die. Yeah, he lives. No, no dog drama. Yeah, and also just want to note that there's like this big collection of snow globes in the house that kind of comes into the focus. They flash on that, yes. Yeah, so we're like... They've got like this interesting collection of snow globes. Remember this. Okay. So Connie is in Grand Central. Beauty and fit check. Her mm-hmm. hair is in a cute bun with a few wispies coming down. I love Diane Lane in a bun. Like a cute little like loose she, bun. She really rocks She rocks it. a bun. She looks great in a bun. She does. And she's got this time a long like oversized black trench coat and loose fitted like gr- gray cozy cardigan on with a black v-neck underneath. And she's going back and forth on like whether she's going to use this payphone to call Paul. She's torturing herself. She's very much like considering her options. She's picking it up, putting it down, looking around. She's super nervous. Yes. She's like, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? Oh my God. She's making little expressions. Because she knows this is also not right. She shouldn't. No, but in her head, she's probably trying to justify it. Like, well, my husband did say we could get him a bottle of cheap wine. That's exactly what she's doing. Yeah. So she finally, that side of her wins and she calls him. I just still think it's so funny that she calls him with a payphone. It is. Yeah. Uh, the machine picks up and he's like, hello, this is Paul Martel. Or I don't know. I can't do a French accent. <laughs> um, and she's about to hang up and put the phone back on the receiver. But just in the nick of time, he's like, hello, <gasps> hello. Oh, my God. And she's like, oh, hello, you're there. This is Connie Sumner, the one from the Windy Day. And he goes, oh, that one. <laughs> and it's like really cute and adorable they're so flirty they're so cute they're so flirty. i'm like blushing right now <laughs> they have so, oh my god they're so flirty and there's uh, yes, they have so much chemistry they Even really through do the freaking payphone yeah she tells him i wanted to ask for your address so i could send a bottle of wine and he's like come see me like obviously just come see me right now and she's like right now and he's like yeah come over and i'll make you coffee so she goes back to Soho to the loft and I'm like, okay, is this the time? Constance. Like I kept thinking in my head, this is the time. I okay, know. Okay. Which time is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Like, is it this time? When do they have They're drawing this out because their chemistry is just building and building and yes. building. Like, and they don't, I feel like they don't want you to think like, they don't want you to think that she gave in too soon because she didn't. She kind of, this was like a slow burn. She wasn't going to do it the first time. We'll see if she's going to do it the second time. So he woos her with his English literature knowledge uh, that she seems to know nothing about anyway. And he talks to her about his first edition of Jack London's White Fang, which I think is that book about like the wolf dog hybrid. And it's like an American classic. Anyway, he tells her he got it for a buck 50 and she's like, well, how much should it be? And he's like, oh, and he like scoffs and he's like, it's should be worth 4,000 times more than that. Then they have this little sensual adventure with a Braille cookbook. Yeah, the joys of cooking. Joy of cooking in Braille. By Julia Child. It's so sexy. It How is. did he make a cookbook sexy? I know. He puts her hand over the Braille and, and like is like 
trailing her finger over it as he's like telling her this little joke story about a chicken about a chicken with feathers with feathers that makes him cough that makes him cough and then he's like oh you should have taken the feathers off or something yes, exactly anyway, that. we're not telling the joke right but then they have like this little giggly moment and they hold hands. They're fully holding hands. They hold hands. It's so sexy. It is. How is holding hands so sexy? I don't know. It's like they're just any touch. It's so illicit. It's so wrong. You're like screaming at her to stop. But then you're also like, I, he is so sexy. You guys have this insane chemistry. I know. I was just like, just give in, girl. No, nope. I don't even know what to tell you at this point. Uh, but <laughs> she, she doesn't. I mean, I'm like, OK, I'm watching this movie. Just give me something. now. But she doesn't. <laughs> uh and she's like i've gotta go <laughs> yeah i gotta go this is too much for me so much tension uh, and she's like thanks for the coffee and he's like you didn't drink any of it and she walks out so that was rendezvous number two of nothing of nothing i mean i would i would i would venture to say that she is emotionally cheating on her husband she is she, that is emotionally cheating she is she should not be there she shouldn't i mean the first she time have gone back with the cuts and stuff as soon as she felt that like oh I'm yeah I'm into this like I'm really liking this guy I feel a pull towards him she should not have called him and she knew it yeah when she was waffling back and forth she should have waffled and back. then when he almost didn't pick up that was gonna be oh, the I end know. of it and she was gonna be like the timing Never mind. or maybe she would have called him again we don't know she probably she, she seems, might have yeah she, she was kind of on a mission um so Connie's feeling guilty now and she shows up at Ed's fancy office and we learn that his job is you guessed it truly vaguely important we're also <laughs> inter- I have no idea it's he, like I think he's yeah he like is the the like a middle CEO or VP or something of this trucking corporate yeah like company. shipping and stuff. yeah shipping something like that Anyway, we're introduced to one of his associates named Bill, who seems to know Connie well, and he leaves the two of them alone. And, and it's Connie- Chad Lowe. Huh? That's Chad Lowe. Chad? Chad Lowe. Not Rob, Lowe. Rob-, Rob Lowe's brother. I didn't know Rob Lowe had a brother. Oh, yeah. Chad. <laughs> Who's Chad? This guy. He's the lesser. Okay. He's not. He's not as cute. No. He's creepy. Well, who is he? Like, what's he, he from? He was in Law and Order SVU. Oh, my God. He was real creepy in Law and Order SVU. I bet. He played a son who had sex with his mom and poked women in the butt with pins what that was oh my god <laughs> law and order svu runs out of shit to do <laughs> oh my god it was such a good episode and then he was in pretty little liars he played a dad okay. i mean Yo i am well. chad Lowe would be so mad at me if he heard this these are not like the highlights of his career those two he's like pretty little liars svu <laughs> he's done stuff but yeah he's okay. Pablo's brother okay good and michelle know. moynihan is his uh the... oh i was like i thought i recognized someone yes and i was like is that michelle and then i forgot yeah, it was her. It's his secretary or, or yes. receptionist. Yeah. And she's like, would you like some coffee? And Connie's like, no. No, bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he leaves them and so does Michelle Monahan. And Connie surprises Ed with a gift she's got him, this guilt gift. She feels so guilty. Which is a powder blue sweater. And he asks what the occasion is. And she's like, there isn't one. And what she means is, well, I feel guilty. I'm lusting after a 28-year-old Frenchman. And I'm probably going to have sex with him soon. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Ed tells Connie he's the boss and he can do whatever he wants. He like makes sure to tell her that and tell us that. And then he proceeds to yell at someone on the phone about not having enough trucks. So I said, I guess he must be like a VP of some corporate transportation company. It's a good guess. Who knows? Before yeah. Connie takes off um, and Ed can get back to his important work, he asks her if she was able to get money from anyone for her auction because that's what she was supposed to be doing when she took a detour to right. Paul's loft. Right. And she distractedly tells him that she did get some out of Bob Gaylord, who Ed works with, but clearly she lying mm-hmm. and it was just like a quick thing that came to hers and he was like oh bob like yeah he's like oh yeah bob okay and he's like well i'm surprised but okay 
Anyway, fast forward to the next day. She's back at Paul's place for French rendezvous number three. This time she's in, again, the light colored trench, pencil skirt, fitted cardigan. She, I can't believe she fucking went back. I know. And she brought muffins. Time. And she brought muffins, which is like a sex gift. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just, it's a sex gift. <laughs> it's, it's uh, supposed she's to like be giving like herself a to euphemism. Him. Like I'm giving you. Yes. I'm giving muffins. you my muffins. I know. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> she's like, here are my muffins. Um. <laughs> So anyway, they they do a little dance, like literally an actual dance. dance. He asks her to dance. She Mm -hmm. warns him that she tends to lead. And he's like, oh, well, you're American, of course. Ha ha. Anyway, she tells him for a third time, I can't do this. And she's all set to leave again when she realizes she forgot her trench on the way out. And when she comes back in, he is not going to let her get away this time because when she turns around, he literally sweeps her off her feet. The editing is so bad. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. like a weird fast zoom. Yes. Thing. And it's like, um, you know what? This, this, I almost got distracted by how bad this little like weird editing and angle was on this and how yeah. quick it was because of how good the next part of the scene is. So it's just this weird when he sweeps her, they do this unnecessary kind of like zoom in. And yeah, like, like they're a, trying to make it dramatic. And I'm like, and it is dramatic enough. Yeah, we don't need to see it. He's carrying You're her. Right. They have not kissed yet. They're just kind of hugging and he's carrying her. Yeah, that would be fine. That's dramatic. Yeah. Give us that. Yeah. They're touching. We don't need like the zoom, the fast zoom. I can't You're even right. explain it. It's a very weird. It is. Edit. It is. There was it something before. very strange about it. Now you've helped me figure out what it is. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is okay so pay close attention because this is really cool so the camera cuts to connie riding home on the train after her sexcapade oh Oh my god the scene and we get to see the sex scene in flashes as she recounts each moment with some of the best expressions ever to exist to mankind my chest is like constricting this scene i was feeling every like watching it i was getting up from my couch like i can't you can't i can't i can't i can't like okay the, yes, that's exactly what it is. They're cutting away from. Sorry, I'm I'm pointing at you, but I'm <laughs> I'm doing hand motions. Of she's on the train. She's got her legs crossed. She's like has her head over her her hand yes. over her eyes. She's, she's in smiling, distress, but she she's loves shaking. It. She's she's crying. She's like she has she's every, feeling every emotion, and it's flashing. It's inner interstitial cuts of yep them having sex and her remembering it reminiscing yes thinking about it on the train it's brilliant home. it's actually really well done was all shot her, her that all of her reactions are one take what just one take they just told her think about everything in that scene oh my god she did this is truly i was like you deserve an academy award for this scene well she was nominated yes she and was. it was definitely for that scene i'm sure that's the one that they showed you know in the yeah. little like montage oh my god. this was it was truly iconic oh, that scene she's telling us the story flash by flash expression by expression like you said she's giddy then she's vulnerable then she's embarrassed and blushing and then she's blissed out laughing crying all of these things i loved it and her legs are like moving yes she still has the cuts on her legs she's like touching her chest she's just it's such a physical scene where she's just like it's almost like it's so smart like it's such a good way to do their first encounter to have it's not just like straight sex scene like us seeing it yes we're seeing it in flashes yeah it's like supposed to be kind of like (laughs) we're we're remembering it like her yeah it feels so illicit and yeah yes and I said the sex is well it's hot Uh, (laughs) a, a bit ridiculous but hot and it's just, that's all I'm going to say. Um, but I mean, unless you wanted to add anything in terms of like, she's basically shaking, like she's doing a little bit too much shaking. That's all I'll the, say. The shaking is a little I, ridiculous. I love but... the whole scene, but the shaking, I was like, there's too much shaking. If I was another patron on that bus, I'd be like, are you having a seizure? Because yes. Yeah. But I mean like in much. the actual sex scene. Oh, she's shaking so much in the sex yeah, scene. Yeah. Which is like, they've had, you know, 
they've had some foreplay for a while. There's a lot of tension, but she's doing a lot of shaking. It is. Yeah. It's very shaky. Anyway. Um, okay. So she cleans herself up in the train bathroom, not like a suburban mom, but like a free-spirited New York hottie who just had sex with a sexy <laughs> Frenchman in a loft. Like she's, you know, she, she's different. Her she's whole, constant she's, now. Yeah, she's constant. Anyway, we switch scenes to Ed walking back from the train. He's talking to his coworker, Bob Gaylord. Oh, fuck. Ah! And he asks about Connie hitting him up for money for the auction. And Bob says she never did. Fuck. Dun, dun, dun. This is such a mundane little white lie. And she got caught out right away. Yes. She, I have to say, she's not a good liar. She's a terrible liar. She's a horrible liar. Yeah. She's not good. And this was bad. It was almost immediate. It was like maybe day after she's been caught. Yep. Right away. And Edward's like, okay, he's weirded out. And he's rightfully starting to get a tad suspicious. But he's also like, oh. Okay, like maybe he could be convinced of otherwise, but he's he's got the train of thought now. For sure. And the happy couple are back home together and he's working in his home office. She comes in, asks if he needs anything. He says no. He's like being very distant. And then he asks her, "If do you love me? And she's like, of course I do. What a silly question. And he's like, I don't know. I guess I'm feeling silly. And I just like really oh, felt bad I for know, him here. Because he's starting to feel like, wait, I feel a little uncertain i yeah. feel a little i don't know filter. if i'm confident anymore about and her then she's caught off guard and she shuts off the light on him like yeah she's walking before she out walks in she's like goodbye <laughs> and then turns it on and is like Ooh, oops because she's definitely thrown and is like wait how the fuck yeah like why would he know i think he's used to seeing her be like super polished and like always on and she's starting to get very like absent-minded and like living in her own world and there's another scene that i didn't like document where she is doing the dishes yes and she's washing and she's the like plate washing over the plate. and over again because she's zoning she's out just thinking about like yeah she's, she's in a stare um, <laughs> which is not a thing it's not a thing as we've realized she's zoning out and ed comes up next to her and he's just like staring at her and she just totally does not even mm-hmm. register him and yeah. then he's like this is he really is very quickly picking up like yeah you're distracted at the very least you're distracted at the very least yeah and you lied to me for some weird reason yeah. So anyway, to show that time has passed, there's this like slow montage of Connie frolicking with her husband and son at his birthday party interspersed with her frolicking with Paul in his loft. I liked this too. Yeah, it's I good. I thought this and was a good juxtaposition. on the train. Yeah. Like it was a very like skillful. Um, like Connie, family Connie, and then sexy Constance with her boyfriend. Yes, exactly. Connie and Constance. And she's leading two lives and she's seemingly enjoying both of them at this point. Yeah. Like she is very much enjoying both she's Connie happy. and Constance. And her youthful escapade and her routine married life are coexisting at this point, and they seem to be going fine. Okay, so in one of her post-sex scenes with Paul, she's fallen asleep, and he gets the mischievous idea to draw an arrow and permanent marker above her bikini line. What a little brat. I was like, Ed's going to see this, and if so, what on earth is her excuse going to be? I was helping you find your way. <laughs> like, what? Probably. That's not bad. Uh, and then Paul and Connie are actually having lunch together in public. This is she looks fucked up this is stupid she looks so fucked up like she looks like she is her hair is everywhere oh yeah her she's eye makeup like is smeared sex. you're right she's she's tossing her hair everywhere she's kind of trying to like hide herself yes. like she looks a mess yeah she looks a hot mess you're right she really does like you can tell they've been fucking it's like oh yeah they're not so close to each other <laughs> And she's super nervous, as she should be. And she tells him they shouldn't be here. And he starts to make it like a game. And he's like, points at these two guys having a business lunch a few tables away, getting ready to pay the bill. And he says, well, if that one of them pays and not the other you have to kiss me. And she's like, what? No, I'm not going to kiss you. But then of course he, he guesses correctly. Um, and the, the one guy pays. So he kisses her like full on makeout kiss. And that's when the other guy that did not pay 
turns around and we see it's her husband's coworker, Bill. It's Chad Lowe. It's fucking Chad Lowe. It's Chad Lowe. I mean, what Bill. are the chances? It's pretty improbable, but yeah. In Soho, I was, I did gasp. I was like, <gasps> yeah, I was like, wait, oh my God, that's him. No, she's uh, getting caught out so quickly. Connie yes, is like not, she is, she is not good at this, which no. I mean, I guess it's good that she's not good at it. I, I don't know what that would mean if you're super good at it, but this is not, she's not cut out for this. So Anyway, um, he catches the making out, but Connie has no idea. She's way too into making out with her dreamy Frenchman to notice. And Bill looks really confused and kind of sad uh, as he walks out of the diner. And I just said, yikes. So we don't know what he's going to do. Anyway, Connie is in her clawfoot tub at home. And I was like, oh, goals. I know her, this. her and Ed's bathroom at home is so nice. And then Paul's bathroom is really nice. Yes, we have some beautiful, like, huge bathrooms. Our bathrooms are, like, are no an actual character in this, as yes. well as elevators. And my bathrooms in New York were disgusting. They're, these and are tiny. huge. Yeah, yeah. These Paul's are these are huge. unrealistic. It has like a clawfoot tub. It has this giant medicine cabinet type thing. Yeah, like a big. They can Victorian even like have cabinet. something fall out of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice. So anyway, she's back home in Westchester in her tub. Um, having a drink and realizing that her new little boyfriend drew above her crotch with permanent marker. <laughs> She's abused by it. I don't know that I would have been uh, yeah, <laughs> right as her husband annoyed. comes in. Oh my God. <laughs> and he asks if there's room for two and he does not notice the drawing. He hops in with her and they have this like intimate moment where you can tell he's like craving her love and affection. He's like trying to pull her close and hold her and they're sharing like a drink and he tries to put the moves on her, but she says she's cold and she's like, I want to get out of the tub. And he's like, so yeah, sad. So I just sad. said he looks so defeated on oh, Richard gear, wounded animal. I feel bad for him. We do see her full boobs here, which was oh, yes. surprising to me. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the first time. I guess this is the first time we saw them. Huh? Yeah. This okay. is the full first, like fully nude scene. Yeah. Okay. And then the next day they're getting ready in the morning and Ed is desperately asking Connie if she wants to get lunch with him. She keeps coming up with excuses. He keeps finding ways around them to like combat her excuses. And then she finally comes up with a make-believe facial appointment at 1230 at Georgiana's. She's such an idiot. <laughs> she is so bad at this. Also, she's a fucking idiot. She had laid out like a sexy lingerie yes. thing for under her outfit in with heels. A, with heels. Like all laid out like, ooh, this is what I'm going to put on after I shower those. and get ready. Yeah, he looks like, why... Do you have this sexy outfit laid out for a day of facials and errands? Yeah. Although she is very well dressed for everything she normally does. That but is this true. Is That's true. But like yeah. laying it out that way feels like she's really like soaking in the ritual of like getting yeah. ready. She's got like this like sexy She's, she's annoying she's, me at this point. I'm annoyed annoying. with her. Yeah. I'm like. Me you, too. St- you can't have it both ways, Connie. No. And Connie, Constance. you can't be Constance and Connie. Yeah. You have to pick. Who are you? <sighs> anyway, he's like, okay, well, you got to stay beautiful, right? Ugh, waste of money. <laughs> and he kisses her and leaves. And she looks very guilty. Then next thing you know, smart Ed is calling Georgianos. First, he's like, Georgina's? And they're like, do you mean Georgianos? And yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. Um, and he's like, does she have an appointment? I'm just checking in. She does not. Dun, dun, dun. Ugh. He hoped she was telling the truth so bad. He oh asked if it's possible it was at a different time. This is so sad. And like, I love it. <laughs> me too. This is really sad. He wants to be wrong. He he's really wants to be because wrong. he wants to be like, okay, she does have this facial appointment. Like, yes, I'm calling just to just confirm, confirm it. I bet if that she actually had it, he was going to pay for it. He was going to add on a massage. Probably. Like, he's just he's, he's trying. He's feeling weird. He's feeling like, I don't know why I have goosebumps. Right now. I know something's going. Can you imagine calling yeah. and being like, oh, your stomach would drop. Sinking, your heart would sink. Yeah. Oh, and his does. It's sad. So mm. anyway, Khan's back in Soho. She's got that white light trench on and a black dress and she's walking in slow-mo smiling to herself in lust 
And she's on her way to Paul's, but her daydreams are rudely interrupted when she bumps into Tracy and Sally, two (laughs) fellow wealthy moms. And she tells them that she's going to look for quote unquote window shades. And they tell her to join them for coffee. She doesn't want to, but she's like, okay, they're kind of talking her into it. Also, I know that blonde woman. Where is she from? Oh, she's from a lot of stuff. She's from Law and Order SVU. Okay. She actually played the... Uh, Leona Hemsley character like oh, that which is so that, I know okay. I was like oh my gosh oh like, I could see that yeah who gives leaves all her money to her dogs mm-hmm. that's totally her type but she's in a bunch of stuff and now I can't recall what she's actually in but she's a good actress she's in she plays kind of similar characters but I do yeah. like her yeah so she's and then the and then the other she woman looks a little too. older the other woman is like Sally from Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. which who fucked that woman because in real life that actress yeah I don't even remember her name she is part of like feminists for life which is a pro-life like anti-abortion okay uh gross organization she's like the chair of it okay and she's well not, in this she works for Planned Parenthood I know which so, is crazy yeah. I don't know about that <laughs> um strike strike her whole actual self from the record yes so uh they go into the cute little cafe and Connie says she has to go use the phone and the older blonde woman is like she could have used my cell phone but obviously obviously she didn't want to so she calls paul and she's like i'm at a cafe or on the corner you won't believe it i got like swept away by my friends so anyway she sits back she tells him to wait for her she sits back down with her friends and then guess who shows up paul it's in like two seconds it's not enough time. yeah no he's just like immediately there like he was waiting yep um he's looking hot and he's sounding all french he's grabbing coffee from the bar and the women that she's with start eyeing him up and down and Connie excuses herself uh, to go to the bathroom, and there he is. He pops her boob out of her dress. <laughs> he does. <laughs> and they start going at it in one of the stalls, and she says, you take me to the best places. Oh, you take me in the best places. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh. It's too much. God, I hate that. It's too much. She is getting pounded. <laughs> she is getting pounded. <laughs> yes. Her like- ass is like slamming against It's very graphic. <laughs> <laughs> she's like above the stall thinking like about you watching in. this on an airplane i was like oh my god no <laughs> like, i can't even imagine trying to watch this on a stupid spirit airline <laughs> flight no 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 spirit airlines oh my god this is I not know. the place for the movie no. i know i tried to anyway. pay extra for the big front seat but they oh, were yeah. blocked they were out oh this scene is very very it's graphic. very graphic yeah so she's having the time of her life um anyway the <laughs> she's women- such an idiot i'm so annoyed idiot. with her connie or constance the women outside are saying how great she looks and wondering if she got work done on her face. And I was like, no, she's just having a lot of 28-year-old sex. That's, yep. that's, the, that's the glow. Connie comes out. Her hair looks insane. Her shirt button is undone. I mean, again, she looks like, she like just she's fucked. been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, we thought you were abducted by that heartthrob. And she pretends that she doesn't know who they're talking she's about. Like, oh, who? And they point him out to her directly. And she's like, oh. I guess i could see the appeal uh yeah he just was like banging you against the freaking bathroom part, stall he's smelling his fingers no <laughs> laura <laughs> i'm not joking what? i'm sorry he's smelling his fingers uh-huh. oh my god he goes like this what sorry you guys can't see but that yeah oh my goodness it's he's like, so i just have to make sure it's, it's real. too much ew. it's too much ew paul i know sorry that is unnecessary <laughs> that is i have to go back and watch that okay <laughs> no you don't I, you're right i don't need to but i kind of want to just because you know if i'm ever in the mood um anyway so they oh. point him out again she's like i guess i could see the appeal blah 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 sally the planned parenthood one starts talking about how she could have an affair with him and her husband and kid would never know and then tracy the blonde woman gets very upset about this and is like 
affairs always end disastrously. Um, and it just kind of becomes clear in that moment based on her defensiveness that she had an affair. And she said, it's the one thing in her life she would undo if she could. Yeah. This actress, her name is Kate Burton. Sorry. I okay. did write that down. Kate and she was just in Inventing Anna, which is maybe oh, where you Oh, my God. Her. That's what it is. Oh, she was the, the like, weird, like, figure, the... Yeah. The woman. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I don't, I'm not explaining. She her. was in Grey's Anatomy. She was also in The Dropout. Um, she was in a bunch of stuff. So she was uh, Ian's wife. She looked You're right. much different there. Oh my God. They made, she her very... like made her look more like homely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I had just seen her in a whole bunch of stuff. Right. I was like, she looks so familiar. I had to look it up. It was driving me crazy. Okay. I like her a lot. So she looks the same now as she did then. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so obviously Connie is hearing firsthand how this other woman like really regrets this marriage she has and she's or the affair, affair she had and said that like you know every, someone always gets hurt so cut back to the Soho apartment Connie is taking her heels off on the bed and says did you just fuck me across the street <laughs> he says yes she's like you know obviously thinking about what her friend said she goes we could end this now and no one would get hurt and he tells her I would get hurt uh, and then he was like, well, maybe eventually we'll tire of, of each other. And she's like, God, I hope I get tired of you. You're in my mind when I wake up every morning all the time. And he's like, well, what do you think of? And she's like, if it's a day where I don't know if I'm going to get to see you, I'm anxious thinking about excuses to find a way to see you. And then the days that we meet, I'm calm and hating myself. This and, was a good line. This yeah. was a good little speech. It was. And then he grabs her boobs and they have some sex. Okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so we're back at Edward's office. He is freaking out at Bill, Chad Lowe, the guy who saw Connie, because I guess Bill was actually conversing with a competitor, and maybe that was the guy he was having lunch with. Mm, um, okay, probably. Because he was like trying to get him to pay the bill. Yeah. They were fighting over who's going to pay the You're bill. Right. I didn't make that Anyway, connection. so I guess Ed figured out about that somehow, and Ed is saying, like, it's about loyalty, Bill, and then he ends up firing him, and he tells him, like, you lost the family you had here at work. And Bill walks out of the building like mortified. And then he is so mad and he yells, you don't know the first goddamn thing about family. Why don't you take a look at your own fucking family, Ed? Yikes. And that's when Ed is like, shit, shit. What mm-hmm. is going on? Like, how the fuck would Bill know that? Why would Bill know anything? Yeah. He's feeling very emasculated, very confused, very. Yeah. Like, like what do I not know? Who's playing me for a fool? Like, so Ed has had enough games of worrying about his wife cheating on him. And he goes to meet an old bald man on a street bench, <laughs> of course, who he says he trusts for some reason. Okay. And he says he needs his help following someone, my wife. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. So back home, Connie is burning, ki- burning kitchen, burning chicken <laughs> and burning the kitchen and yeah. burning the, the kitchen okay. and overcooking pasta. And Charlie is alerting her and the dog is watching unamused. And Charlie has a colander on his head like the little <laughs> dum dum he is. But this is annoying. I'm annoyed with her. She's so distracted. She's so distracted. Her son is just being an absolute lunatic and she's burning things. Anyway, she apologizes for the dry chicken at dinner. And Ed says he has to go to Chicago tomorrow for the night. And she's already planning her extended rendezvous. It's so annoying. You can tell. And he's like, well, I fired Bill. And he tells her the reason he fired him was because he's not accountable. And then I just, this is, this is a nothing thing, but I just loved that. Oh, same. That Charlie goes, what's a cannibal? Is that like people who eat people? <laughs> I love that. And Ed <laughs> goes, no, that's a cannibal. This was the only time I liked Charlie. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was like, like that's, oh, funny. that's funny. I've never thought about how accountable and a cannibal sounds so similar. Literally the only moment that I was like, all right. All good, right. Good You're one, okay. Charlie. You're okay, Charlie. That was funny. So Connie is cutting tags off her new lingerie the next day and suiting up in a little black dress that is very cute. Meanwhile, Ed is getting on his suit and tie in his hotel room in Chicago. He's meeting with a bunch of other suits. He's clearly distracted. 
We cut to Connie having sex with Paul in a movie theater this time. They have no care for yep. anyone around them. They race out together and they're fooling around, having so much fun, like laughing, having the time of their lives. And click, click, flash, flash goes the camera. Uh, the PI is documenting their every move. Yikes. And yikes. Oh, God. So Connie forgot to pick up Charlie. Again, she, oh, my God. She's being an idiot. She just forgot everything. Uh, she forgot to pick him up in time for school. And he's just waiting on the school stoop uh, with like his teacher or someone waiting to be picked up. So Connie wakes up from her sex nap on the couch with yep. with Paul. And she realizes like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm late. So she races there after having fallen asleep. But not before she notices the parking ticket on the hood of her car. Uh, yeah. So she's gotten a parking ticket. She's being charged by the hour now for, <laughs> for her sex capades. <laughs> Um, I kept wondering, like, how much was a parking ticket at that time? Oh, my God. In Probably, like, $15. But. Probably, yeah. So um, later that night, she's crying at the k- kitchen table at home. She's smoking a cigarette. She she's smokes. losing it. She's fucking losing it. She's she's out of her mind at this point. She calls Paul. Was, uh, from home. From yeah. her home phone. From her home phone. And he does not pick up, luckily. Charlie comes in the room and asks why she's crying. And she said, Mommy's just a little sad, that's all. And he was like, Don't be sad, Mom. Dad will be home tomorrow. I'm so mad at her here. Yeah. Like, I'm she's over her right smoking now. in her kitchen. She's crying. She's losing her mind over she's going insane. her boyfriend. Yeah. I did get mad at this part because I wrote down boyfriend. And then I thought, Well, oh, he's her mistress. But there's not a word for a women man. to oh, have. Right. Wait, he's her mister. No. No, but there's not. There's no equivalent. Yeah, you're so right. So women don't get a mistress because mistress sounds legitimate and it sounds a little bit like elegant and like legitimized. Miss. There's not one. There's I looked it up. Okay. Well, I'm going to call him her mistress. Okay. He's her mistress because that's fucked up. It is. You're right. That's a very annoying. But I'm annoyed with her. I'm just annoyed with her. Yeah. So meanwhile, dad is talking to his PI that he hired to follow mom. PI hands him the photos of Connie and Paul and he says his name is Paul Martell. He lives at 433 Mercer Street. Ed seems most upset that they go to the movies together. I know he said they go to the movies. Yeah, like he was so crushed. I was so sad. For oh, him. I said it's crushing to watch his face as he looks at, at I his could wife. Cry saying that the way he said they go to the movies. Yes. was just so. It was Ed a realization just, that he she's having a full on relationship with someone. Else. Yeah, like they're not just fucking. No, they're going she's out leading in a double life. Yeah, and they're going out in public. And I said, ah, poor Ed. I really feel bad for him. Meanwhile, Connie is starting to hate life. She's grocery shopping aimlessly, and she starts crying in the aisle. On her drive home, she does a crazy U-turn, knocks over traffic cones to go back in the opposite direction to the city towards, you know, Soho. She, and and also there's fruit flying all over the place. Yeah, the oranges are rolling around the back They're rolling around in the back. Because she literally just drove over. They're not even traffic cones. They're like permanent, those road Oh yeah, you're right. They're not even temporary. They're supposed to be. No, she drove over all of them. She doesn't give a shit. Nope. And it's raining. She's like, can barely see. Cars are beeping at her. I don't know why she's choosing now. It's like, she's just absolutely. She's fully in it. She's taken under by this affair. And so she starts calling. Now she has a cell phone. She calls him. Maybe it's a car phone. I don't know. She calls him from her cell phone. He's not picking up. I don't know. She just has some like sixth sense that something's going on. And she arrives in Soho and something is going on. She sees Paul in the rain with another woman laughing joyously. She goes after them. She like haphazardly leaves her car with a valet. She throws the keys at him. She's got one of her like long trenches on with a sweater and light wash jeans. She's soaked. She runs into a bookstore after them. Of course, he took took this girl to a bookstore. Mm -hmm. Um, She spies through some books on a shelf and sees Paul indeed fraternizing with another woman, whispering sweet nothings to her. She runs around the shelf and (laughs) smacks him upside the head and yells, who is she? 
So she's Paul not, is trying to break up the fight oh. that she just started with the other woman. And I she's said, going, no, no, no. Yes, like she's like, she is she's turning child. into like a weird brat. She's like, a child. She is Constance extraordinaire here. Her face is all messed up. And she's like, no, who is she? Get away. Yeah. She's like regressing. That's perfect. It's crazy. Like, no, it's weird. It is bizarre. It's supposed to show that she's become like an animal. She's not herself. Like she's, she's totally just... undertaken by this affair. She mm-hmm. is completely obsessed with him. She is, she is not herself. Like she's no longer the mom to Charlie, she's wife to Ed. People in the head yeah she's not a what she's not she's not an adult this is like a, such an unhinged moment yeah she's she is unhinged because he has to pick her up and physically carry her away from this yes woman. he has to pull her away from smacking this other woman it's crazy connie constance who are you right now you're neither of these people well, she does point. she just like literally a scene later she says who am i yes she doesn't even know who she <laughs> is anymore she's losing it God, I said she's really changed. Okay, so cut to his apartment, and she's, like, going up the elevator with him, and she's like, how many are there? Five, ten? What am I, the Monday one? Did I get my day wrong? And he's like, she's just a friend. Oh, shut up. Shut up, Paul. And she tells him he's a liar. He's a liar. She tries to leave and says she can't do this anymore. He's upset, and he's like, fine, go back to your suburban carpool and your tennis lessons, which is good. (laughs) Uh, And she screams, fuck you, and walks out the door, but he pushes her up against the staircase, and she tells him, like, no, it's over. But he starts, like, maniacally, like, taking off her clothes, like, literally, like, rips her pants off. He's maniacally making out with her. And she's, like, at first, of course, like, hitting him, pushing him away. But she's clearly given in. And she's, like, I hate you. And they have sex. And it's pretty hot. I think we didn't talk about in one scene before they – oh, it's in the flashback scene. Yeah, it's the first – She, like, is getting too nervous to have sex with him. And she's, she's like, like, hit me. And, yeah, so he's trying to break up the moment. Yeah. And then, like, also it – I mean, like, not that fighting should be, like – no involved but it's in a weird way like and yeah. so they do kind of have that it's a very rough they yes, have like very they rough like to have rough sex, sex. I think. and it's no. in the hallway in his hallway in his hallway they have sex in public everywhere like someone could walk down the stairs She's at any moment an affair, first of all even if she wasn't having an affair i would say this is debatable oh, behavior <laughs> my gosh this scene uh Dude. you can see she's just fully lost it yes so and i will say if i hate when i say i will say this is, <laughs> of course i will say um if she had just like if Ed had figured it out like one minute sooner, he would have seen them having sex in the hallway because yes, that's so Paul is shirtless in the apartment with his belt halfway off and his lovely lavender sitting on the windowsill. And oh, no, Ed is outside the apartment. He's Fuck. out. The, he's outside the Soho loft looking up. Oh, my God. He's here. Ed and Connie somehow narrowly miss each other as she walks out the door and he's got his back to the door across yep, the street. It's just he yeah. just misses her. If he had been there one minute earlier, he would have seen them having sex. Um, so Ed goes inside and he knocks on Paul's door and I was like, what is he going to do? Oh my God. I have my hands on my head right now. He's such a sweet man. So I'm like, (laughs) is he going to beat him up? Like, what's he going to do anyway? Of course, that's not what he's going to do. So Paul answers. He's like, yeah. And he's like, you're Paul Martell. How old are you? And then Paul's like, who are you? And then Ed goes, I'm Edward Sumner, Connie's husband. And Paul looks taken aback, but also like. He's kind of just accepting it. Well, I feel like he knew this was inevitable. He got involved with a married woman and he's like... He's a very laissez-faire person. He is. I mean, I I also think Connie's reaction to him being with that woman is also her realizing that this means so much more to her than him. Yeah. Because he is just... He's young. He's just having fun. Like, this is inconsequential to him versus for her, this is like betraying her entire life. So what was he going to think that they were going to do other than just have sex? Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway. yeah, he, he does accept it pretty easily. He's, He's like, just okay. like, all right, come in. All right. And yeah, Ed's, Ed's like, can I come in? And Paul's like, sure. <laughs> so this is weird. 
Ed is silently surveying the Soho apartment, the punching bag, everything around. Paul asks if he wants a drink. Ed's like, sure, why not? And he gets him a vodka. He says he keeps it in the freezer. And Ed was like, so do I at home. So I guess they have this one thing in common. Mm -hmm. Vodka in the freezer. I don't know. Uh, Ed's like, tell me, how did you meet my wife? This is very formal. feels like they're having like an interview. It's awkward. It's awkward. Um, and so Paul tells him it was by accident during the windstorm. And Ed was like, oh, my God, you're him. Because mm-hmm. he remembers now. Mm-hmm. He was like, mm-hmm. oh, is he attractive? Uh, so Paul is surprised that Connie told her husband this because he assumed she told Kept him it all nothing. Secret. Yeah. Um, and Ed starts questioning him on if Connie likes to go out. Does she like the neighborhood? It's sad. so sad. Because he's like, does she like it here? Like, I think in his head, he's like, should we move back here? He's trying to figure it out. Like, what, what was made she missing? her want? Like, yeah, what made her choose this, like, this guy is a weird over place. him? This is so different than our home. What does she like about this? What does she like about him and the things that they do that I'm not doing? And exactly. So he's not even like, at this point, he's not even mad. He's just like, he's what sad. do you have that I didn't give her? Yeah. So anyway, then Paul goes, she likes it better than the suburbs, I guess. And Ed like gives him a look like, don't push it, buddy. Mm-hmm. And... Then finally, Ed gets a little mad and he's like, you know, we've been married for 11 years. We have a son. And Paul's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> gets him another Paul. drink. Oh, my God, Paul. <laughs> and um, so Ed's like, yeah, I mean, our son's the reason we left the city. Connie told me it would be better for him. And then Paul says that Connie said it was Ed's idea. Yeah. And Ed is flabbergasted he's that so, they talk about him. He's I know. So, he's like, you talk, you talk about me? Because that is, it's like, it's so private, it's another betrayal mm-hmm. and her lying, like even just that simple lie to be like, oh, I wanted to live here, but my husband didn't. He feels betrayed by that. Cause yeah. that's not also, true. Also, she's telling her secret mistress lover about her husband, but she won't tell her husband about her secret mistress. Yeah. Lover. He's and just feeling like, so betrayed. Betrayed. Yeah. She was very unfaithful. <laughs> Speaking of the movie title. Um, anyway, they continue to do this like weird song and dance and Ed sees the unmade bed that they probably just had sex in um little and does he know it was the stairway but yeah, yeah he doesn't know about the, the stairway yeah ed is now literally sitting on the bed he just sits on the bed he's so despondent he's, he's just, just crushed and and then he sees no a freaking no. snow globe no, no, no. the snow globe that he got for connie um for like a previous gift because now we kind of learn that like ed has gotten connie all these snow globes yeah. whenever he's traveled somewhere new which, which is, is so, so sweet. sweet that's a very on, sweet connie. tradition so oh, sweet. Why would she give that to him? That's so. And this is literally what he says. He goes, why would she give this to you? And he's like, well, it was a gift. And then he goes, she didn't buy this for you. I gave it to her. And then he's like, starts sniffling and crying. And Paul's just looking at him like, I don't know what to do, man. I, what? Like, uh. So now we're seeing things from Ed's perspective. His eyesight is like starting to go blurry. And he's like crying. the camera's fading in and upset. out. He's like crying. You could tell he's starting to like hyperventilate and like lose it. He was keeping his calm like yeah. way too well. Th- the his the snow globe put him over the edge. He's like, I can't snow believe she did too this. Much. Like this is insane. this is so personal. This is so us. And she just she just gave this. She to gave up everything that she's cheating to have sex. With. Yeah. So he starts just like repeating, "I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this." And he's like, "I'm feeling sick. Yeah, I feel ill. I feel sick. I feel oh my dizzy. god. Oh my god. Over and over again." And at first I was like, did Paul drug him? <laughs> like, Cause he does. It comes on? over him so quickly. And he's really like, I feel so sick. I yes. feel so sick. I feel like, Ill. understand. I feel Ill. Like, and so then he out. stands up and Paul's like, do you want some water? And Ed's like all woozy. And he looks like he's going to puke. And he says he's not feeling well again. And then he just takes a look at Paul's like blurry face. And he smacks him over the head twice with the fucking snow globe. Okay. It happened. 
That's all it took. That's all it took. Paul starts just pouring blood down his head. This part I remember from when I was too young because I just remember thinking that is that that's what happens if you you just hit hit someone someone over the the head head, snow globe. Like I guess with enough intensity, pressure, strength, like yeah, he would have really had to hit him hard. The blood is pouring all over his face into his eyes, out out of his mouth. Like always, when it's blood out of the mouth. You know, yeah, that's bad. I guess that's he must good. have like crushed in the right. Well, head wounds bleed so much too. So I thought maybe he's not actually dead. Maybe he's just. Bleeding. I know. I thought that too. I was hoping he wasn't going to be dead. Because it is. It's it's a quick. He hits him twice. You don't think really that. But it must have cracked a skull. Yep. And it's so bloody. And Paul just falls over and dies on a pile of books, namely White Fang. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, he dies on White Fang. Oh my God, I didn't see that. Yep. Wow. Good observation. And so Ed's like bent over him, shocked hyperventilating of course he looks at the blood on the snow globe and then he just lets it drop and he yells out in pain and he can't believe what he's done it wasn't on purpose it was, it was such a total a accident total moment of just truly like... temporary insanity <laughs> not even insanity i'm so like, stressed i'm like reliving oh, this right now i'm so stressed out the way that they do this is like you put yourself in that position like what? yes oh my, oh my god, god what would i do fuck, oh my god fuck, fuck in an instant your whole life is just changed so he wraps him in a white sheet that just starts to like it's so get bloody it's all completely over it. so gross um and then he sits at the desk uh by the phone deciding what to do he picks up the phone he dials nine one yep but doesn't do the last one then he looks over at paul's bloody hands in the sheet that's soaked and he puts the phone down and decides against it because he's thinking to himself like what am i gonna say i just made I my decision like yeah. i killed him no one knows i'm here yep this is the decision I'm making. It's another split second decision type thing. Yep. And he suddenly realizes he needs to cover his tracks. If he's not going to turn himself in, he starts wiping down glasses <laughs> and the phone very like haphazardly cleaning off the snow globe in the sink. Yeah. This is a really good montage of like, yes, the bucket, cleaning like attempts. the sloshing bucket mm-hmm. of him walking, walking. It's just a close up on the bucket and him like pacing with it back yeah. and forth, cleaning up all the blood. He just seems to do a pretty good job, but it's very yeah. stressful. I mean, yeah, not he, really. He's kind of using his shirt at one point, which is not a good idea. Yeah, he's going back and forth between doing an okay job and doing a bad job. Yeah, he's making do. He's Yeah, he's doing what he's got to do. He hears the voicemail go off, and it's Connie. She's on Paul's machine now, and she's like, I have to end this. I can't do this anymore. She tells him that she, or she tells Paul on the machine that she's tired of lying and hurting her family, and she's so sorry. And she's like, I hope, you know what? I don't even know what I hope. And then she hangs up. That feels like a very realistic ending and yeah. a fair message, because what do you even say? And she yep. is losing her mind so at least she's come to her senses and recognized enough to be like that was insane I who am who i did that's just turn this turn me into like i'm yeah. hurting my family i'm hurting everyone so yeah oh the irony i know and safe to say that paul will never get this message but ed got the message uh like an hour too late and like yeah. if he just i don't know i don't know it's just all horrible timing anyway uh he's back to cleaning up his mess and he actually rolls paul up in a rug with duct tape he does delete the voicemail too oh he deletes the importantly yep. so at least he remembered to do that yep and he takes the elevator down, but it malfunctions. Oh my God, this is so stressful. It's so stressful. So he can't get the door to open and he's stuck in between floors. Stupid 90s elevators. There's like a, a little bit of space, like just enough Just a space. tiny Maybe bit. like six inches. I don't right even above, know how much. Yeah. Right to, into Paul's loft still. But he's in the elevator shaft with Paul's body rolled up in a rug. Yeah, very clearly looks like a body in a rug. It looks like a body in a rug. And, and he's sweating. He's stressed. He can't. He's, he, oh, he has to try to lift it over his head to try to reach the floor like try to back, back yep. to reach paul's like lot. shove paul's body back and into he puts the... him back up and it's almost comedic and he <laughs> drags is. the rug outside finally so we see he's made it out the door probably he did... through taking the stairs, All the stairs. Right? oh my so god so many stairs paul probably has so many bruises oh my god um but paul's fine he's dead 
So he can't feel anything. So he drags it outside. He's struggling to get it in a car, in his car, in the trunk. And this dude stops and he's like, do you need a hand? And he's like very forcefully, no. He's like, no, I don't need a hand. I'm carrying a fucking body. Dude, clearly. which like, what does he look like he's carrying? A, a body. body. <laughs> a oh, body. God. Okay. So now he's on his way to his son's school play. Oh, my God. What a day. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He gets changed in the school bathroom. He's cleaning up his clothes carelessly and he sits next to Connie in the theater like nothing happened and watches as his son is an ugly bunny. In the play. <laughs> this is also a requisite scene in domestic thrillers. Like if they have kids, you always got to have the play. play. Always got to have the school Where play. One of them is, is just experiencing the play and the other one knows something about the other one that the other one doesn't. Yes, yeah. It's just this very interesting psychological scene. Um, and Connie is, you know, she's finally seemingly calm. She's smiling. She's joyous to have like really made a decision, I think, and ended her affair. She holds her husband's hand. She's tearing up at her son's awful solo. It's so bad. His solo is horrible. Yeah. Um, And Ed looks over at her and he's kind of like contemplative. And I was like, oh, I really wish I could know like exactly what's going on in his head right now. But it's clearly a smattering of things. And then he like reaches for her tenderly and he like, you can tell he feels so conflicted and he's endeared to her in this moment. Anyway, they go out to the parking lot after the play. They tell Charlie he was great, but he wasn't. And Connie says that she has to go help clean up after the play because like this is her normal thing that she does. Charlie gets in the car with his dad. They're about to drive off when some other parent rear ends him. Oh, my God. Right in the scenario. trunk. Literally right in the scenario. trunk. Ed runs out of the car. I can't believe this happened. He realizes the trunk is busted open. And he's like maniacally trying to close it while his he wife. Shoving it. Smashing it. Down, down, he's down. Like, oh. And he's like trying to shut it and it won't close. And everyone around him is like, uh, what is your do you want to get my insurance? We should just figure this out. Like, sorry. No. He's, he's like, like no, we can take care of it tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. And they're like, what? So he just like rushes back in the car. Charlie is like, who are you, dad? <laughs> and they just like speed off as like Connie and this guy are just like looking after him like, huh? Everyone is so confused. It was very, didn't make sense. They're like, do you want to open the trunk? So we, and he's like, no, I have a fucking body The in rug there. is right there. You can see it when it's yeah, opening. There's like a little glimpse of it. Yeah. So later that night, he's in bed with Connie, who is sleeping. She has no idea. She just thinks she ended her affair and her husband will never find out. Anyway, he sneaks out. He drives to some nondescript landfill or junkyard location and he drops off his little rug rat in a pile of trash. Rug rat. <laughs> I remember this scene super vividly too because it's a dump, but like all of it's windy again. And so yes. all of the, it's like yes. a chain link fence with lots of like plastic bags tied to it and they're all kind yep. of like blowing. This is and a theme just, of the movie. It's a the very, wind. yeah, it's a very like catastrophic. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy looking dump, like where there's truly just like garbage trash everywhere. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to be like throughout the movie there are these moments of calm mm-hmm. like almost too calm and then moments of like crazy just like chaos crescendo. And wind crescendo yes exactly and it's like mundane life yep. crazy chaotic that's definitely the juxtaposition life. so he gags because he covers up the body with trash and then he like pieces out and he goes to the car wash this is weird there's like this like slow-mo scene with a i used to call the car wash this car wash a wishy-washy oh cute so i still call it that because i'd be like mom can we go to the wishy-washy i like to be in the car yeah yeah. anyway um and there's like the sad like hollowed out music and he's you know he's getting the car cleaned of all evidence he scrubs himself off in the shower when he gets home and then he gets back in bed with connie he just lays awake he's just utterly shocked at his last like 24 hours and i just am like oh what are you gonna do ed so the next day at breakfast, it's Ed's turn to just like be completely out of sorts. Um, he has two different shoes on. Connie and Charlie are laughing at him and Connie tells him he looks awful. <laughs> and he asks her, he just starts saying, do you like it here, Connie? I know. Because we don't have to stay here. We can move back to the city. 
And then she's like, honey, what's gotten into you? Are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then she's like, well, I'm fine. Everyone's fine. Nobody's moving anywhere. And I don't know. I don't know what she's thinking at this point, but like she seems to have not registered that he knows and yeah. has known that something I mean, has she's been going like, on. How could he know? So she's not thinking yeah, well, about it. Because she's a horrible liar. That's true. Um, now, Ed is the one having flashbacks on the train, but they're not the happy kind, but they do involve Paul. They are reliving the Paul murder. Yikes. So anyway, the cops are here at the Westchester house uh, and it's just, it's just Connie and Charlie home at this point. Charlie's like, it's N- NYPD. And they come in <laughs> and they question her about a Paul Martel. And she's so awkward. She says she knows him, but not very well. They tell her he was reported missing by his wife, mm, which I was like, a big, huge revelation. And she's like, looks stunned. And she's like, I didn't know he was married. And then they're like, well, he's separated. And I'm like, okay, I a guess it's not as bad. Anyway, she's a horrible liar. She says, it's hard to say when she last saw him, she was just going to buy some books from him. Uh, one of the cops then picks up a snow globe. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't even know if it's the snow globe, but it might be the murder weapon and says, I like these snow glass things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then they take off and they're like, let us know if you hear from him. And she's like, okay. All the while, little Charlie has been sitting with his back against the wall, eating an apple creepily. Oh yeah. Like he's, he's just really like creepy. taking little bites of the apple. And he's like, what it's a so kid. weird. One of those detectives was from Law and Order SVU too. Of oh course. my God. The episode taboo. Okay. Wow. Okay. So Connie throws away the book that Paul got her and stuffs it in the trash. Now she's freaking out. She's like, oh my God. I have to get away. I have to like get rid of any evidence that I ever saw this man. So they're out to dinner later that night as a family. And Charlie has like three silly straws in his drink. And he tells, they're like huge, like crazy colors, silly straws. And he tells his dad that they had cops over today. And Ed and Connie then have this little exchange where she's just as bad of a liar as always. And she's like, oh, I bought a book from the guy. And they obviously just need to talk to everyone that he's ever had an interaction with and she doesn't know that ed knows paul and knows what she's done let alone that he's murdered him so it's like extra awkward to watch this scene and ed is obviously realizing okay well they're they're connecting they're connecting us to paul so this isn't good so i guess it's thanksgiving now and they're with ed's family and they're sitting around the table and he's slicing turkey pushing his glasses up on his nose awkwardly and reliving his murder guiltily as everyone else is enjoying their thanksgiving dinner and then we get these flashes to the landfill with tons of gulls flying around, crazy wind. The garbage trucks are there. They're picking up trash and they like run right into the body, the rug. Oh, yeah. So we find out that they, they know they found the body. So the cops come back to the house. This time, both Ed and Connie are there. The cops tell them that Paul's body was discovered last weekend. And I was just thinking like, oh my God, Connie, it must be. I know just, the emotions that have to be going through yes, her head and she, and she can't, face. she can't display them, but she kind of, she is. kind of does. Um, and they ask Connie where she met Paul and she's like, I can't remember a fundraiser at Juilliard, but then her husband like comes to her defense and he's like, yeah, I was at a fundraiser at Juilliard or I remember being there, which obviously he doesn't remember. She clearly has no idea why he would lie for her. And she's like confused. And the cops are questioning her about whether she's been to Soho recently. And she says, I never go to Soho, which is so stupid. That she, she said that? that. And they're like, well, you got a parking ticket in front of his place four weeks ago. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm like, face palm. parking ticket. Connie, oh, the parking ticket. Oh, a lot more than $15 now. <laughs> so she quickly recovers and she's like, no, I went to lunch there with friends. I forgot. And then she tells, she's at like, least she has that. Yeah. She's like Tracy and Sally. Um, and Ed nods in agreement. He's like, Oh yeah. Okay. As if he believes her. And he tells the cops to go away and that his wife has told them everything she knows. So Ed goes inside and he's watching Connie break down in tears through the window. And it's really depressing. He's like seeing her mourn her boyfriend and he knows it. Yeah. He knows it. Oh God. 
It's, 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 it's not fun. So later on, Connie is picking up Ed's dry cleaning. She reaches into the jacket pocket and she notices the PI photographs. Oh my gosh. So she's panicked. She's upset. She's seeing, you know, each photo of her. What? Someone was there and taking pictures of us? This is when they were out of the movie theater and in the movie theater. I was running around New York with my boyfriend and someone saw us. (laughs) But yeah, she's like shocked and she's just like, oh my God. Like she's having a realization right now. Um, And then Tracy comes in. Of course. And is trying to talk to her about like the party that they're doing later that night. But she's completely tuning her out. She looks like she's ready to pass out. She walks out the door without even saying goodbye. So... The Sumners are the ones that are throwing the party at the house later with their friends. And someone asks her about the snow globe collection and picks one up and asks where it's from, which the one she picks up is from Fiji, but it reveals the murder weapon snow globe behind it that Connie registers. That's weird because she'd given it to Paul. So she locks eyes with Ed and realizes like he must have gotten it. Yep. Also, it's the Windy City, which is now I realize that's why she gave it to him because it was windy. That's probably Interesting. why. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, because it's windy, even though it's Chicago, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. Anyway. Yeah. Chicago and they're in New York. I don't know. But it was windy. But it was windy. <laughs> We're <laughs> trying to make it the make theme. sense. There's, there's wind everywhere. Um, yeah. So she's like, she, I mean, at this scene. point, this she's crazy. gotten, she knows that he had someone take pictures of her and she sees the snow globe was gone. And Paul's dead. Yeah. So there's like... She's making the connection. She's making the connection. Can you imagine but I don't people she... at your house having a party no, and this no, is what's going on? No, it's horrible. Oh I my can't. God. Oh my God. It's so, it's so stressful. Tense. It's so stressful. It's so stressful. So in the next scene, she confronts him in the bedroom as he stands creepily in the dark with his back turned. And I said, Team Edward. <laughs> Team Edward. <laughs> what did you do, Edward? Did you hurt him? Jesus, Edward, tell me what you did. So that's what she says. Mm-hmm. And then he finally just like explodes, which I'm like, thank God. Finally. Finally. God. Um, he's such a like waspy, polite man. So anyway, he's like, you tell me what you did, how you fucked him over and over and over again. And you lied to me over and over. I gave everything for this family, everything. And what did you do? You threw it all away. Like it was nothing for what he was a fucking kid. Yeah. And he was. Yeah. And her guilt is palpable here. Yeah. He's got streaming tears streaming all the way down his face, like down to his mouth. And it's so sad. And he's like, you think I wouldn't know? I knew from the first day because I know you, Connie, and I fucking hate you. I didn't want to kill him. I wanted to kill you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is a great. Again, this is really good from Richard Gere. Like, it's very upsetting. And this is the truth of an affair. This is how it would make someone feel. Of course. Of course. Like, you're like, I'm so just beside myself in anger and betrayal and you're thinking back to those moments when you had no idea and it makes you feel so stupid yes you feel like an idiot when you're yeah. like do you love me like do yeah you move? She's like, of course you're... of course i do and you're sneak she's sneaking around behind georgianos oh, yeah. no so she's hearing it for the first time like realizing okay he he did kill him and he knows and and now it's real she's hyperventilating they're both inconsolable understandably like this yeah, is the this worst. This is a horrible situation. Worst case scenario by far. So Charlie comes into the living room later that night when Connie is like in anguish on the couch by herself, and he tells her that he peed himself, <laughs> and she tells him it's an accident. Everyone has accidents. And this I was is like, definitely mm, meant to be. That's putting it mildly, mm-hmm. but yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Everyone has accidents. This is a little parallel. Yep. And so in one of the very last scenes of the movie, the family is together in the living room. Connie is looking fondly at a photo album that includes some of her wedding photos. And Ed is sitting at the piano bench with Charlie playing piano together. It's really sweet. But then there are sirens and they are clearly on edge. And so are we. 
And then Connie and Ed just kind of lock eyes and they're waiting for it to get closer, but it doesn't. And the sirens fade away. A a good tense moment. Yeah. And Connie picks up the murder snow globe and notices for the first time that there's a note in it that Ed wrote to her. And it says, don't open until our 25th anniversary. And then there's like a picture of them with Charlie as a baby, Mm. which is like, so this whole time she didn't realize this gift. And she gave it to And she fucking gave it to her boyfriend, her mistress. (laughs) He sees her open it and they both have this like pained expression on their faces and she has tears in her eyes and so does he. And I wrote, it's so sad. What the fuck, Laura? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is. It's just so sad. It is so tragic. This it is. is tragedy thriller. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, now, now Connie is burning the photographs of her and Paul in the fireplace crying, saying goodbye to the memories. And she has this flashback that's not really a flashback of the day they met. It's kind of a retelling of like what she wishes had happened. So in it, when Paul tells Connie to come upstairs after she wounds her leg or wounds her leg after she gets like all banged up, she ends up catching a cab right at that moment. And she says, thank you to Paul. And she leaves as he watches her ride away in the cab. He waves fondly at her and goes on to live his life happily ever after without being murdered by Ed and also without getting to have sex with Diane. <laughs> so that's the alternate reality butterfly effect that she would like to have had happen. And I said, I love this. You know, yeah. it's just, it's very skillfully done so she tells ed like she's so scared she's like what are we gonna do he offers to turn himself in but she says no she's like we can get through this one day at a time and she says no one will know but he's like well we'll know and i'm like oh my god what are they gonna do so they're seemingly back to their normal life of auctions and parties and dancing but now they have this weird horrible secret that has somehow seemingly brought them closer and they're dancing and hugging and like admiring each other in the scene at the end and they hold each other in this embrace and they look like they're in pain, but also like in love. And they're just like, yeah, it's like a- they're like holding on to each other for dear life. Cause I think they're nervous that they're not going to be together. Anymore. Definitely. Like they're going to get pulled apart and you can really feel that. So final scene, they're at a red light mm-hmm. on the way home from the auction. Charlie is asleep innocently in the back seat. Connie is telling Ed, we can just disappear. We can leave the country. We can go to Mexico, sell everything. We can get a little house on the beach. We can take different names. People do it all the time. Do they? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, well, what are, what are we going to tell Charlie? And she's like, that it's an adventure. We could fish all day. We could learn to play the guitar. and Or you can learn to play the guitar. And then Ed's like, oh, I could sh- serenade you to sleep every night. So he's joining in on the like, oh, this what if life we could have. And then she's like, and then we could just, you know, when we die, we could push out to sea. I'm like, oh. <laughs> she's like, what do you think? <laughs> he's like, sounds perfect. And they're crying and kissing and hugging. And meanwhile, the light turns green. But they don't go anywhere. They're still stopped on the street. We start to zoom out. We see that they're right in front of the police station. Yeah. And they're hugging and they don't go. And then the light turns red again. And then the scene ends. The end. Oh, my god! That was unfaithful. That was unfaithful. Oh, my God. We've seen it. We, oh, we did it. Okay. What did you think? I thought that was a really good movie. Yay. I I felt like it was it was really well done. Yeah, um, I agree. I was nothing that I expected. I was expecting it to be more of like a salacious, like kind of like sleazy, mm-hmm. kind of just like sex thriller. Um, it's much more tender, and it's but much yeah, more it's actually really much more of like I would I would also be okay with this being called like a psychological drama. Yeah, and at the end, of course, like there is the scene where. Ed kills the the guy but it doesn't really turn into like a crime thriller because like he doesn't get caught I mean it's kind of like it's it's a combination of things it's it's just different I like that it's so unique and that it kind of like blends all of those things for together. sure 
I do think it's more sophisticated than your traditional it is. thriller where it's all just dramatic moments just for like the shock and awe of it. And this has yeah. more, the quiet moments are very effective mm-hmm. and very like I felt punched in the gut many times. So which many you times. don't often get with a thriller. Like, yeah, I think this is one where people can relate to it more sadly. And I'm going to take us through some movie trivia, which hits on okay. a lot of that. Okay. So this was directed and produced by Adrian Lin. Adrian Lin also directed great films such as Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Oh my God. Flashdance. Flashdance. I love Flashdance. Jacob's Ladder. Okay. We still need to watch that. We need to watch that. Indecent Proposal. Okay. Have many seen more. That. And most recently, Deep Water, which is on Hulu. Have you seen that? No. It's very bad. It's with oh, it's very bad. Okay. Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. Okay. I just watched it recently and it's like horrible. Not worth it. Okay. No. But it feels a little bit, I can kind of see the elements that like, the wind in this movie in Unfaithful that's done so skillfully, there's snails in deep water. Oh my God. There's snails? Think, yeah. <laughs> like Ben Affleck is obsessed with snails. Oh my God. And it was based on a book. So I guess in the book, maybe that worked better. But anyway, he's a really great director, clearly, because he's done some fantastic movies. He has a bunch more credits. Yeah. It's interesting how like big the gap is of genres that he's done. I know. Flash dance, but then he kind of seems to like maybe enjoy the kind of deeper thriller. He's good with thrillers. Mm-hmm. So Unfaithful was adopted by Elvin Sargent and William Broyles Jr. from the 1969 French film The Unfaithful Wife by Claude Chabrol. I'm yep. certainly saying that terribly. I don't, I don't know. Elena and I were watching that a little bit earlier. It's not, there's no English captions. So we have no idea what's going on, yeah. but we were I could not find it. a single version of it that's like available I'm to I'm impressed stream. you tracked that down. I found it, it was on, on YouTube, YouTube and the subtitles are in French, so... I mean, but you can tell what's going on because we've already seen the movie and there, it's, it's, I mean, like it's, it's basically the it same. It sticks pretty close to yeah. the plot. So yeah, it's just very French. Yeah. I didn't know that it was adapted from that at all. I thought it was original concept. Of course. It's like, it's actually very good and it's adapted from like a French film. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, Diane Lane received much praise for yes. her performance and was nominated for a Golden Globe and an Academy Award for Best Actress. She lost to Nicole Kidman, who won for her role in The Hours that year. Oh, wow. Which is, she was really good in The Hours. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an acceptable loss. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Richard Gere, an early draft of the screenplay had the Sumners as suffering from a dysfunctional sexual relationship, which gave Connie some justification for having an affair. And uh-huh. the studio really wanted to change the storyline so that the couple had this bad sex- sexless marriage. Um, but both Gere and Lynn felt that their suggestions would have robbed the film of any drama. They wanted mm-hmm. the two people to be perfectly happy. Yeah. They loved the idea of a totally arbitrary nature of infidelity. Yeah. Which I totally agree. I, I think agree. that would have been a completely different film. I wonder what the French film. I know. I'm not sure. Like, I wonder if that was part of that. But like the Sumner's relationship was obviously rewrit- rewritten to be a good marriage with yep. her affair just being the result of a chance meeting. And I thought that was so much more effective because we all know the story of like, yeah, someone that's they, in a sexless unhappy. marriage or they're unhappy yeah. or this person doesn't get them but we saw that clearly they were happy they had this really like loving lovely relationship and yeah. yet this just it was like they said arbitrary it just yes. happened yeah it's just like oh life happens and like decisions are made and actually the Paul Martel has like this line that's actually pretty good where he's like there are no mistakes. There are things yes. you do and things you don't do, like actions you take and actions you don't take. Yes, I remember that too. And which is that's true. I mean, not to say I uh, for sure it was a mistake, but like yeah. no, we're not we're not pro infidelity. We're not pro no. cheating. This was the way that they displayed this though was definitely just she was not she did not go looking for this. Right. This was very much a yes, chance. It meeting. just it happened and she made some decisions and they weren't they weren't good decisions. Not but she was a human. During pre production, the producers received a videotaped audition from. 
Olivier Martinez, okay. who was selected for Paul. His character is portrayed as French now, but that was only after he was cast, which I do like that nod to the original yeah, French. Yeah, I know. I was but thinking that they too. they didn't plan for that. They actually had other people in mind. Interesting. Um, but they think that it, he, Lynn thought that it would help understand how Connie might have leapt more like leapt into this affair Mm -hmm. because he's very beguiling even doing ordinary things he's not like he's so different yeah that he was very charming he was he was the perfect casting for this so lynn cast lane in the role of constance after seeing her in the film a walk on the moon where she also plays a wife who has an affair i was noticing that she was in that film and i was like i've never even heard of that me neither so i'm gonna have to watch that yeah um he felt that is that also with richard Gere, or is no that's with schreiber and yes and mortensen yep yeah okay it looks good um, she breeds a certain sexuality. She's sympathetic. And I think many sexy women tend to be tough and hard at the same time. Mm. So Lynn also wanted, uh, gear and lane to gain weight in order to portray the comfort of a middle-aged couple. In particular, he wanted Richard gear to gain weight. Uh, he wanted him to gain 30 pounds. Okay. Well, so he, he left he donuts in the actor's trailer oh every God. morning. Oh my God. That is hilarious. He didn't look overweight at he all. He didn't. Yeah. He looks so thin. So as much as like those, those f- cute, funny stories about Lynn, his directing did take a toll on the casting crew. He was like a very intense director. Okay. And so in a scene taking place in an office, a dir- the director pumped it full of smoke, an effect that would make the colors less contrasty, more muted. But the smoke was piped in for 18 to 20 hours a day. What? And as Gear remembers, our throats were being blown out. We had a special doctor who was there almost all the time who was shooting people up with antibiotics for bronchial infections. What? And Diane Just Lane, to have the office look yeah, more dull? to have like scenes be more muted and smoky. He was very particular. Oh my God. There so, was no special effects they could add in after the fact? I know, you'd think. But Diane Lane acquired an oxygen bottle to better survive the rigor- rigorous schedule. Okay, that is absolutely bonkers. I know. Speaking but this movie, bonkers. which is not like an intense physical well okay it does never mind we get into a little bit of the physicality okay yes so this part repeated takes of the intimate sex scenes were very demanding for the actors especially diane lane who had to be emotionally and physically fit for the scenes so to prepare for the initial love scenes between paul and constance lynn had the actors watch clips from fatal attraction which is funny oh my god (laughs) five easy pieces and last tango in paris okay and martinez was actually very uncomfortable with nudity so he's never nude oh wow which you we don't really yeah, he just takes Notice, his shirt he's off. just his shirts off. You never see more than that. Oh my god. He was not comfortable with nudity. Okay. Very Meanwhile, Diane Lane was like, okay. I know, boobs out. Yeah, boobs out everywhere. And they had also not met before filming her, Diane Lane and uh they had great chemistry. Martinez. Um they didn't want them to meet. And they didn't want them to get to know each other very well. Oh. To like mirror the relationship between these characters. Oh my god. Sexy. Very sexy. Lynn also shot five different endings what? to Unfaithful based on his experience with Fatal Attraction. He was like so scarred from his experience with Fatal Attraction, okay. whose initial ending was rejected by the test audience. And then they had to come up with a new ending. Oh, my God. So that this, is very stressful. Very. The studio initially made them go with an ending which showed Richard Gere going into the police station to confess. It showed him getting out of the car, oh, wow. going in. Okay. He actually says goodbye to Connie and Charlie and he gets out of the car. Following negative reactions from the test audience with that with that ending the studio reinstated the original ending that lynn wanted so a few weeks before the film was open to open in theaters lynn asked gear and lane to return to los angeles for some reshoots of the ending because he wanted it to be even more ambiguous ambiguous um and that was the ending that we got the like very so i guess this was a big thing you can actually google like original ending and like 
test audiences in 2002 saw the that ending wow. and were like we don't like it but they they kept the article super ambiguous now like it they didn't give it away what the yeah. new ending was going to be i wouldn't like that ending either only because i just feel like it's i don't like knowing that he had to turn himself in and me neither like so we the, can guess we can we, yeah it's up I, to I the audience like thinking that like i don't know maybe they do go to mexico maybe they meet other people and totally he, I don't same know. And that's what Lynn said. He said he wanted to treat the audience more intelligently. He wanted it to be up for interpretation. Which yeah, I like, I like that, that a lot better. I like that better. Thank you. And then just a couple more things. Diane Lane is actually only a year older than Oliver Mar- Olivier. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Martinez like- in the movie. Okay. So like she was 36, I think, when they were filming. Mm-hmm. And he was 35, even okay. though he played he was playing younger. Young. Yeah. George Clooney, Johnny Depp, Robert Redford, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis were offered the role of Edward Sumner. Wow. Brad Pitt and Ryan Phillippe were offered the role of Paul Martel. No, no, So it was not originally going to be French. I know. I can't see it with anyone else now. No. Meg Ryan was the original choice to play Connie Sumner. Oh, my God. And then Alyssa Milano was actually cast. What? Yes. But she had to turn it down. roller coaster. Because she was too booked with Charmed, so she couldn't do it. That would have been totally different. Yeah. And also, she seems, like, young. Then Jodie Foster was offered. Oh my god she instead picked panic room which we'll also watch oh my god which came out in 2002 Kristen davis was also offered portia de rossi kira sedgwick uh brooke shields hillary swank heather graham uma thurman and kate winslet they, they were all offered the i think role? They, those ones might have tried out okay maybe they auditioned i was like did, did diane lane was she just the last beautiful woman to it's get crazy. offered the part uh angelina jolie also auditioned what jennifer lopez auditioned <laughs> Wow. But she did she went enough that year. Enough. Yeah. Um, and Sarah Michelle Geller and Reese Witherspoon as well. So tons, tons. Basically every, every major female celebrity yeah. at that time was auditioning for this role. Wow. And then I think Diane Lane and, and Richard Gere did another film together. But They I don't did. Know and was. I can't recall what it was called. Yeah. Something to do with cotton because I was like, oh, oh yes, sounds, yes, yes. But I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. So, yeah, those are our trivia facts for. Wow. Those are really good unfaithful i'm so glad that you watched it thank you for watching it thank you for not watching it on the plane yeah yeah that would have been a a whole experience i was sitting next to a guy on the plane um who decided to order two bud lights at the same time he actually asked oh boy he asked the flight attendant how many am i allowed to have oh boy that's not good she was like how many can you handle and he was like i don't know and she he's like will you give me two and she was like yeah that's not that's not good and then she also informed him, which I didn't know, that two drinks in the air equal four drinks. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, just because of like I guess because of the altitude. And altitude and stuff. And that does make sense. Sometimes yeah. when you're in the mountains, it affects you more. Anyway, he was not the person that I wanted to be watching. No, this no, movie no, no, next no. To. This needs to be in the privacy of your own home. So yeah, very glad I did. Hopefully, not we take convinced that you all to call. watch Unfaithful. If not, Please Elena watch this movie. did a fantastic job taking you through oh, you. plot by plot. And I got like frustrated or worried. Not frustrated. I got stressed when I had to talk about the one masturbation scene in Sleeping. Oh yeah. No, single white female. Oh yeah. So and then I assigned you. A list. <laughs> I just got to be like the sex was really hot. So anyway, um, yeah, you're the can... one who was like, he was pounding her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, mom, please don't listen to this episode. Uh, well, next week we're covering a very different oh my gosh, type of I'm thriller. so excited. So for our seventh episode of Thrilled, we'll be covering seven, seven. the 1995 neo noir psychological crime thriller starring Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt. And Gwyneth Paltrow. Ah, the trifecta. Uh, and this one's a doozy. So Elena and I are going to split this up like we did with Fear. Yes. And uh, we've been on such a domestic thrillers kick. Yeah. So we're really going really, to switching it up. Yeah. This is such a classic and it's one of our favorites. Yes. It's so good. And this is a complicated one. It's going to be long. 
we will be splitting it up. We're going to do our best to make it. Yes. <laughs> not very long. Yes. We'll see. We've, we've been doing better recently and we're, we're not hitting the two hour mark ever. So yeah, we better cut ourselves off now. Before yeah. That's too yep. late. All right. Well, this was a super fun one. I really love this movie. I would vouch for this movie. Um, I would defend its honor and I love it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Hope you were thrilled.